So we brought the lights down a little bit and just going to really honor and sink into this very blessed time of year. I, I find this season just really welcome. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, I, I, was at a, I was at Spirit Rock this past week, as I said, and there was a, 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 a gentleman there from Seattle, and I noticed at mealtime he brought out a little square thing and sat it on the table, and it radiated this blue light onto his face. And at first I thought, this guy is reading his email? I don't think so. And then I, re- I think what he had was one of those SAD lights, you know, like a little extra light to, to you know, alleviate the depression for living in Seattle. <laughs> and um, so I know that the dark isn't, isn't a, com- a complete blessing for everyone. And yet, um, I, maybe it's because I was born December 23rd. I just have a real affinity for some, some of the, the magic of what happens when everything kind of calms down. And the beauty of that, and also the kind of sadness of it, the poignancy of it, of all that fruitfulness of summer, just that you know profligate abundance of the earth going, vavoom, look what I can do. And then, you know, three months, four months later, where is it? You know, and all the parallels with our own lives, you know, those times of fruitfulness and then those times where everything seems to just die away and who knows what's gonna come next, if anything. So all that, all that comes together for me in my mind and my heart at this time of year. And so that's what I would like to mm, be with you in that, in that spirit and, and feel our way through that a little bit together. So I'm going to start with a song that was written by a local writer named Lisa Hubble, wonderful writer, about the invitation of the darkness. really of our meditation of just sort of softening and opening our senses and maybe just letting calm down thoughts and reactions and hmm, even the naming of what's going on. Maybe this isn't singing at all. Maybe this is just some passing phenomenon of vibration that touches that part of you known as your ear and the part of you known as your heart. So maybe you can listen in a a different way with the heart open. It calls on me to face what I've been hiding 
calls on me to spend some time alone. It calls on me to heed the shadows' lessons. It calls on me to claim them as my own. Darkness calls. Darkness calls. Darkness calls. Darkness calls. It calls on me to lower my defenses. It calls on me to feel where I've been numb. It calls on me to still my mind and listen. It calls on me to trust that light will come. And if you like, you can sort of hum along with this. Let the vibrations become part of your body, your spirit. Join in the words if you care to. Just whatever feels good to you. And if you just want to sit and receive, that's just beautiful. Darkness calls. Let's sing that one more time. Oh. 
I think we can all really feel that invitation, that, that longing almost inside to lower our defenses, to see where we've been numb, to live from breath to breath. Why do we come to these sittings if not to find a little bit of that ease of just breath to breath and just letting it all flow? And yet, and this darkness invites us in at the very time where, as a culture, we're speeding up. You know, the, the, the holiday lights have been up since before Halloween, you know. And every year it gets earlier. Pretty soon, Fourth of July and Christmas are going to be like this, you know. <laughs> and, um, and there's just a lot of those, those holiday time pressures, um, some of them very joyful, the musical celebrations, the parties, the family, the friends. But you know what I mean. It's just, it's very, it heats up. You can feel it revving up. And yet every DNA cell of our millions of years old bodies, you know, really know that this is the time to hibernate. This is the time to let things rest. So there's a, a tension there that I know I feel very strongly in this season. So, I, so I've been thinking about dark and some of the ways that we talk about the dark. And one of the phrases that, that comes to me uh, so quickly is that phrase, dark night of the soul. How many of you are familiar with that expression, dark night of the soul? And if I may ask, how many of you feel like you've experienced something that that phrase is about, is referring to? Oh. You can't see yourselves, but I can see you. I think that was about a 98%. You know. um, yeah. We, don't, we say if we don't understand something that we're in the dark about it. And the dark night of the soul has so many dimensions to it. It's a kind of a, in, in the 12-step programs, they call it hitting bottom sometimes. It's that feeling, I know for me, where many things I've believed in, structures that I've built around myself, the inevitable thing that we humans do of kind of building up a structure of ego, of self, of, of work, you know, all the identities that we have, they, they crumble for, for whatever reason. They, they hit their autumn, they hit their winter, and um, there's kind of a crash, and it can be very, very painful. And there's times, too, where we just get kind of confused and can't find the pathway ahead. I'm the, I'm the kind of person that tends to have a sense of mission and a sense of purpose, and I've written many mission statements in my life, you know, of, of what my mission is and so forth. And um, I'm at a place right now, I turned 60 a couple of years, a year and a half ago, almost two years actually coming up, and within this last, these last two years, my son, my only son, left for college, and my um, dad of 95-year-old dad died um, a year ago in the fall. And I've felt such a season of, of don't know, of I, my, I don't have a sense of calling, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I know a lot of people in their 60s have said, yeah, that's, I feel that too. You know, it's the second Saturn return. I didn't know that. But, you know, there's this big thing when you're around 30 where there's this huge shift of identity and huge, you know, turmoil and confusion and a sense of something's being born, but I don't know if I'm the one to push it out. You know? <laughs> where are the midwives? <laughs> you know? And I'll tell you, folks, I think it happens again at 60, so, you know, hold on to your hats. It's, um, very, I feel very adolescent in many ways. 
And then there's just this, the dark nights of the soul where just really terrible, terrible things happen. They happen to you or they happen to someone you love or you hear about something in the news that's just so horrifying that you just can't even imagine why, why this life is worth living or why, why would anybody be born? What, what is this all about? So this is not something that we really look forward to. It's not something that we invoke, oh boy, I wish I had a dark night of the soul. I could really use one, you know. <laughs> this is kind of not how, how we think. So, but I do want to ask you to just take a moment and maybe if you care to close your eyes and um, reflect, go to a moment to any memory you have of one of what you would call a dark night of the soul. You may remember a specific incident very vividly, or it may just be a feeling that you know really well. I used to call it the pit. And from my 20s on, I had this state I would get into, and I'd say, it's the pit. I've just fallen into the pit. So whatever it is for you, just take a moment to find it, to you know, kind of taste its flavor from this place of equanimity, hopefully, and community. tasting the quality of that completely universal human experience called Dark Night of the Soul. And see if there's maybe just one word that comes to you that has some of the flavor of that for you, that captures something of what it is in your experience, in your body, your mind and heart. One word. And then if you feel like it, just call it out. Let's speak it. Let's hear what the flavors of these dark nights are. Let's take a moment to just really let all of that pain rest in all of our hearts. The shared dukkha, the shared suffering. So this is, this is terrain that we know very well, but we also know that there is something on the other side of that dark night because we're all here. We've all had a morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, after the M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. And it's no accident that, that James um, teaches joy 
and that we practice the Brahma Viharas, the beautiful qualities of loving kindness, compassion, joy, balance, and equanimity. Life couldn't be born if it was all dark nights of the soul. And so the, and you know, solstice wouldn't be a time of beauty. It wouldn't be a time of meaning if there wasn't the spring afterwards. That's, it's the circle, it's the cycle that makes every season so beautiful and so precious. And because they, they, they flow and they balance and they are a whole, they create a whole. So dukkha is not something that only grown-up wise people like us who read the news and have had a chance to fall in love and had our heart broken. It's not just for us. Children have plenty of dukkha in their lives. And um, I want to sing a song that I wrote for children many years ago. I was an artist in residence in public schools back in Massachusetts where I lived. And there had been a series of frightening things in a community. I think it was kidnappings. It was the era when children's faces were on milk cartons for a long... You remember that awful time when every, it was just this feeling like, oh my God, no child is safe. And they invited me into the school to uh, do some songwriting with the children to help them express their fears, which I thought was an awfully wise thought for that school, to bring in art and to bring in a way of processing. But I felt a little daunted by it. I, I didn't know quite how to face a way of being with these children with what they were facing. So I thought I better, you know, really pay attention to, to what fear is to me, what my fears are, how it feels to me. So this is the song that came out of that. This world is such a big place And I'm so very small As I lie in bed with the lights all out My parents' voices down the hall And the monsters loom before my eyes. Oh, sorry, that was the wrong verse. And my lamp looks like a monster's head. There's something creeping toward my bed. So I pull the covers over my head. And I say my magic charm. I say. Starlight, star bright Don't let the darkness eat up the light Don't let me lie awake all night Till the morning comes Starlight, star shine Tell me everything's just fine And the world is turning right on time Morning always comes This world can be a sad place This world can make me cry There's days I can't please anyone It doesn't matter how I try My best friend doesn't want to play My parents act like I'm in the way I crawl into bed at the end of the day And I say my magic charm I say, starlight, star bright, don't let the darkness eat up the light, 
Don't let me lie awake all night Till the morning comes Starlight, starshine Tell me everything's just fine And the world is turning bright on time Morning always comes Now this world ain't no picnic It ain't no cherry pie The little ones get messed with And the big ones just get by Now there's some who grow up fast and hard They shoot their shadows down And there's some just seem to crumble They turn their heads They pretend There's no shadows around Well, this world is still a big place Though the years have made me tall And the darkness still gets hold of me Casting shadows on my wall And the monsters loom before my eyes If I look too long, I get paralyzed Gotta trim them down to size So I still say my magic sing together starlight starlight star bright don't let the darkness eat up the light don't let me lie don't let me lie awake all night till the morning comes starlight star shine tell me everything's just fine and the world is turning right on time starlight star shine Tell me everything's just fine And the world is turning bright on time Morning always, starlight up above Take care of everything I love Tell me that I'm big enough to face Whatever comes, starshine Starlight, starshine Tell me everything's just fine And the world is turning right on time Morning always comes You know morning always comes So, um... I realized when I was thinking about this that that the Buddha, the Buddha's night of enlightenment was was a dark night of the soul. I mean, he he did the whole whammy. He did the whole thing. You know, he sat under that tree, and every possible painful thought and energy that human beings can have this is what I believe. This is my version of the story. Came through him. It came to him. And in the classical story, of course, the name is Mara. Mara is the name of the demon that attacks the Buddha after his long years in the, in the wilderness trying to find that, that peace that was enduring and unconditioned and, and um, you know, unchangeable. So under this tree he sat and said, I just won't move. I just won't move. I've had it. You know, do you know that feeling? I have had it. You know, I'm just going to 
hold my breath and turn blue you know, <laughs> until, until this, this suffering is relieved. So Mara comes with the doubts and the you're not, you don't know what you're doing and you're worthless and whatever. I mean, we could fill in all the blanks. We could spend 15 minutes here calling out all the, the, the voices that we know are in our heads. In fact, I've done this with children. I've done a, a, a reenactment, a kind of, you know how they do Civil War reenactments where everybody dresses up and does all these things? Well, I've, I did a Buddhist pilgrimage reenactment with children where they really walked through the, the story, you know, of, of leaving the pleasure palace and going out and, and starving himself and all the, the wonderful, wonderful story, the mythal, mythical story of the life of Gautama Buddha. And um, at the end, when the children um, sit under the tree, what we actually do is have the counselors, this is at a summer retreat at Spirit Rock that I help lead for families, the counselors sit in the middle. They become the, the Gautama Siddhartha, and they sit down, and the children circle them and shout at their counselors all the yucky things that are in their heads, the children's heads, about themselves. And it is incredibly revealing to hear how at the age of 8, 9, 10, 11, you're hearing, you're no good. You're stupid. You're ugly. You know. I mean, these are the voices that we get very, very young, and and the liberation those kids felt yelling them at these adults. And I thought that was the perfect way to do it. But they said at the end, they said, "Now wait a minute." They said, "Can we go in the middle and have the adults yell at us?" And I had thought, "No, we won't do that. It's a little too intense." You know. But they wanted it. They loved it. So we did. They sat in the middle, and the adults circled them and did all that, and they sat steady. So they got to feel what that was to just hold steady. So that's how the Buddha got through, got through the night. And, um, but he, he didn't just tough it out. You know, there was some, there's a really important piece, and it's the same piece as the starlight, star bright. He touched the earth. You know, he touched into that some elemental, bigger, deeper, older, more mysterious than this, this human mind and body. Touched into that, just like the child touches into the starlight. And in touching the earth, he received the kind of blessing of, of the, the devas. It says that the devas all gathered and they, they just glorified all his virtues and all the virtuous lifetimes he'd had. And basically, Mara just disappeared in a cloud of smoke. Isn't that lovely? Disappeared in a cloud of smoke. May we all be so fortunate to have our dark nights end like that. So... Um, and then he said this wonderful, wonderful thing that just means so much to me because, well, just during this time since my, my, my turning 60 dukkha cycle, um, I, I have really had a, a, a time, quite a time of feeling all my inner structures are no longer there for me. The stories I've built up have all crumbled. And I know you know what I mean. You know, it's a little vulnerable for me to sit up here and say it out loud, but I know you know. I know I'm not alone in this. So this is what the Buddha said in, in one translation, spoken upon his enlightenment. He said, Through many a birth I have wandered in samsara, in the illusion of this kind of sensory, me-centered life. I've wandered in samsara, seeking but not finding the builder of this house. Sorrowful it is to be born again and again. O oh, house builder, Thou art seen. Thou shalt build no house again. All thy rafters are broken. Thy ridgepole is shattered. My mind has attained the unconditioned. Achieved is the end of craving. So the house of self, the house of all that we build up, 
The rafters are broken. The ridge pole is shattered. Sounds like quite a disaster. I, talk, I, talk, I have a wonderful mentor, Buddhist mentor that I see. Um, and I, we, we talked about this and she gave me this reading, this writing on a, a little card. And she said, you're in, you're, in the hell, you're in hell. You know, you are in complete dukkha. And she said, the other word for that is enlightenment. Nibbana. It's like, oh, this is what the Buddha found. You know, that it is through the crumbling, it is through the complete loss of all that we have built that, there's, that a freedom comes. It's an amazing mystery. So, this song really was written during this time where all that felt, the only refuge that felt available to me was just, was the breath. And, (laughs) you know, I have a 20-year-old son and he's like, why do you want to sit on a cushion and breathe? I just, you know, there's so many other things you could be doing. (laughs) And he's so right. (laughs) But there is something about um, knowing the breath and befriending the breath and making a habit of the breath that is a really wise thing to do because there are the days when we need it because it's all we've got. It's all we've got. Faith is gone. Logic is gone. Cheer up is gone. The silver lining is no longer there, you know, but there's always the breath. about it Just let it be Be still and feel Be still and feel Don't think too much about it It'll be
Don't try to build it again Lay it down Living under the open sky Can be freedom You can laugh, you can rage You can cry, you can come undone You wouldn't choose it this way But it chose you anyway So breathe in Breathe out Don't think too much about it It'll be Try to build it again It was never real One of nature's great wisdoms is the wisdom of lying fallow, of allowing a rest, allowing the land to rest. It's one of the hardest things, I think, for modern humans in Western society to do. And during my bereavement counselor after my dad died, I've been seeing this amazing wonderful bereavement counselor if any of you are walking this path of bereavement and loss and need someone to talk to I'll send you to somebody wonderful but he told me a great story when I came back I spent the last two months of my dad's life with him in Seattle and um, was the most the best decision I think I've ever made in my life was to drop everything and and do that and when I came back I was um, exhausted and um, just in an altered state, and I couldn't do much. And it was right at the time when the Occupy movement was taking off. And those of you who know me know that that was not a movement I was going to miss. <laughs> I felt like this is the movement of my lifetime since the Civil Rights Movement. This was, this was the one. And I had hardly a bone in my body able to rise to it, even though it was what I wanted to rise to so much. And I was very frustrated. My counselor told me a wonderful story that I want to share with you. He said he was visiting some friends in Texas who were fruit farmers, and they raised, had all kinds of orchards. And they were having a really uncharacteristically warm fall, and um, so warm that some of the fruit trees began to bloom in the fall, and they were going to fruit if this kept up. 
and my counselor was not from Texas and was not a fruit grower, so he didn't know anything about it. And his friends were going out and clipping off the buds, stopping the process. And so he said, well, you know, what are you doing? And they said, it's really not good for the trees to bloom like this out of season because winter is the time when they need to be deepening their roots and really going down and getting stronger at the base so that in the spring, when the real spring comes and the real fruit time comes, they're, they're the strong tree. They're the, the tree that can get nourished, the tree that can really sustain a wonderful outpouring of life. If they bloom now, it won't be a good harvest and they won't deepen, they won't get a chance to deepen. And so, you know, my counselor was sort of saying to me, you don't have to be right before your time. You know, don't be afraid to be fallow. There'll be other movements, you know. <laughs> Occupy won't be the last one. Um, and that, that image has helped me so much with the idea of, of the value and the importance of letting things have their season. You know, we all have seasons of action and energy and vision and focus and achievement and success and, boy, I got it figured out now, you know. And we all have seasons of, I don't know, I'm lost. And imagine if we could just let, let it all be, you know and really be okay with it. So um, I will leave you with one poem and one song, and then we'll dedicate them. Oh, well, see if there may be a moment if anybody has some comments. But I, I just love this poem so much, I did want to share it with you. It's by Kim Rosen. It's called In Impossible Darkness. Do you know how the caterpillar turns? Do you remember what happens inside a cocoon? You liquefy. There in the thick black of your self-spun womb, void as the moon before waxing, you melt. Like Christ did for three days in the tomb, conceiving in impossible darkness the sheer inevitability of wings. There in the thick black of your self-spun womb, void as the moon before waxing, you melt. Conceiving in impossible darkness, the sheer inevitability of wings. This is called Prayer. It's a song I began a few years ago and put aside, it didn't quite gel for me. And after my dad died, I went back through songs that had kind of had that partial birth, but then not really quite formed. And several of them I finished. They were songs that I clearly wasn't ready to finish until after I had gone through what I went through with my my dad. So, prayer. This is how I'd like my life to be To be as trusting as a leaf on a tree 
Let the seasons take good care of me. This is how I'd like to be. To not be fearful of the falling down. Not cling too tightly when my time comes round. Gladly sink into the winter ground, knowing the best of me will come back around. This is how I'd like my life to be: to be a ripple on a midnight sea. Let the mighty waves wash over me. This is how I'd like to be. To not be fearful of the ebb and flow. To kiss the shore and then to let it go. To rise up to the sky when warm winds blow. Fall back down again in. Winter snow. This is how I'd like my life to be: to find my music and to set it free, and open up to all the harmony. This is how I'd like to be. Not be fearful of the wounded throat. To sing the beauty of the broken note. To trust my breath and let the song unfold. Risk it all and let the truth be told. Maybe we could hum together. Humming or ooing, that you can kind of feel that warmth in your chest or in your、um, facial muscles and bones. That, that singing is a, a really an act of love to ourselves because it sets our whole being into a, a, a vibration that that harmonizes, that literally aligns, brings us into alignment. So let's hum again and focus, you know, just on the inside of your body and just feeling. The, the warm caress of your own sound, your own sweet voice. No other voice like it. Ooh. 
would like my life to be. Just sitting here right now with you and me. A little moment in eternity. This is how I'd like to be. To live as trusting as a leaf on a tree. To be a ripple in a midnight sea. To open up to all the harmony. This is how I'd like to be. For your very sweet, deep listening and heart, I just feel you. It's beautiful. And we have a few moments, and we have a little microphone here. If anyone feels moved to say a few words, or um, it, James said you can do Q and A. I don't think there's any questions I can answer. <laughs> I don't, but I'd love to just um, invite you. And maybe Ernie, would you be the the microphone person if? Thank you. Great. So please, we're we're family here now. Let's just share, or not. <laughs> um, in one of your songs, um, there was. Uh, an image of the house falling down. Or, yeah. And, um, and there was some line to the effect of um, that may not, it may not be best to rebuild it. I can't, mm-hmm. And that, that really struck me because um, I think when, you know, that feeling of everything just falling apart completely um, or what was true before no longer being true now, that um, there's a temptation... Uh, at least I feel a temptation to want to rebuild the same house because it's comfortable mm-hmm. and I know what it is. And mm-hmm. So I really liked what you said about, I can't remember the exact uh, line, but to the effect of not rushing to rebuild the old house kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think we all know that kind of mad scramble to reconstruct something, anything, you know, even even something that wasn't that great. You know, it's like, give me anything, right? Um, so, yeah, it takes a certain courage and a, definitely a certain faith to just let it lie, just let it lie, you know. Yeah. Thank you very much for that that reflection. Hi. I was going to tell you after, but um, thank you for sharing your music. And that song struck me as well. Um, I started crying, and I guess the word is crying in comfort. Mm-hmm. It meant a lot to me. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
Hi. Is it on? Uh, right, like an ice cream cone. Isn't that what James yeah. would say yeah. a lot? Um, <laughs> I don't even need one. I have such a loud voice, but I'll, I'll use it. Um, when you're telling the story, repeating the story about the Buddha, how he was sitting under the tree, then Mara came, and the demons came, um, my mind drifted, and uh, you reflected to us. I, I thought I heard you say that he reflected on the virtues in the, in the thick of when, when he was visited by Mara, but I may have heard you wrong. So my question is, um, can you repeat again <laughs> what he reflected on in the middle of Mara and um, maybe how you apply that in your practice mm. when you're mm. in the thick of mm. that that's uh, a, that's Mara, a Mara question. State. Thank you. Um, as the classical telling, as I know it, and you know, probably any of you could tell it and, and have perhaps a little different telling, is that when Mara was at, at his worst, or her worst, um, Buddha touched the earth, and he said something like, you know, by the earth, the earth is my witness that I have lived countless lifetimes of um, bodhisattva action, of, of compassion for other beings. And so he was sort of calling on what I, well, let me just say, I don't, I don't know how to interpret the devas and what had The devas then kind of all came in and said, yes, yes, there was this chorus of, yes, this, this being has done as he said, he is worthy. He is worthy of enlightenment. And that was, that somehow that chorus was the, the end of Mara's power. What I think of in terms of how to, we can apply that is, um, is really about intention. It's like, noticing and honoring the good intentions of our lives. That we may not do, be doing things perfectly. We may have plenty to fault ourselves about. There's plenty that could be improved. But look at one's goodness. Look at the, the, the goodness and the good intention of even being willing to look at what's problematic about us. You know? And if there's been an error, how often our errors are so well-intentioned, you know, and the road to hell is paved with them, we know all that. But that's, nonetheless, nonetheless, it's really important to not confuse unskillful behavior with a um, flawed heart, a a, a, um, bad heart, you know, so I think that's what I th- would call on myself when I'm doing the beat myself thing, you know, is to remember my intentions and to remember our humanity. Remember that, you know, the first noble truth is the truth of suffering, that to be born is to be born into a world where just by virtue of having bodies, we're going to bump. We're going to bump into things. There's going to be contact and not all of it's going to feel good to us. Not all of it's going to feel good to other people. So we're born into a world where these things are going to happen. So this incessant self-flagellation is, is really um, is very unnecessary and a bit, um, a bit arrogant, almost, of like thinking, you know, I really could have transcended this, all this duke if I was just a little smarter. It's like, no, nobody, nobody gets out of here alive. You know, it's, um, it's the nature of our being. Does that, does that help? We can talk more afterwards. Maybe we have time for one quick, quick one. Oh, I was thinking of that actually while I was singing it. Um, oh yeah, you know what? This is being recorded, and it'll be on Dharma Seed. That's probably your best bet because I think the recording it's on. Let me just think about what recording it's on. 
know it's on something. You know, the other thing you can do is um, look on my website, BetsyRoseMusic.org, and look in the, in the recording section. And um, it has all my CDs, and it'll list the titles. So it's, it's there somewhere. I know it is. Yeah. I do have some CDs here tonight, by the way. I don't have that one. But there are some CDs in the back. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think, I think probably we should, we should um, close on time. What a concept. I'm, I'm not famous for doing that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on it tonight. Oh, so again, my, my really heartfelt thanks. This has been a beautiful kind of threshold into the, the dark season of solstice for me, and I hope for you as well. Um, so I'd like to close with a um, kind of a combination of dedication of merit and a little meta, a little musical meta. And um, so maybe take a moment to just find a, a posture of that kind of alert, relaxed presence coming back in once again, not that you've really left, but just taking that breath that feels spacious, that opens up that beautiful dark interior. Maybe feeling just what your heart energy feels like right now and savor whatever's there, if it's sadness, if it's gladness, gratitude, tiredness, just it's you, it's yours, it's, it's this moment. And it's also not you, and it's not yours, and it's passing. So enjoy the taste. So when we send our care and our connection our common humanity and our good wishes for safety, for peace, for joy to all beings throughout time and space and especially those beings right now who are struggling in the dark, who are having that dark night of the soul, who are living in what we sometimes call dark times. who are assaulted by Mara. May the earth and the stars and the great compassion make all darknesses fertile wounds of new life. And we'll sing our metta practice this way. We are sending you light to heal you, to hold you. We are sending you light to hold you in love. We are sending you light to heal you, to hold are sending you light to hold you in love. We are sending you light to heal you, to hold you. We 
are sending you light to hold you in love. We are sending you light to heal you, to hold you. We are sending you light to hold you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.